The FT. South Africa's main opposition party, the Democratic Alliance, has elected its first black leader, marking a significant shift in the political landscape of Africa's most advanced economy. Mursi Maimani is young, aged 34, and comes from Soweto. Some have likened him to a South African Barack Obama, but can he really challenge the power of the ruling ANC? I'm Fiona Simon, and on the line with me to discuss his chances is our South Africa correspondent Andrew England. Hi, Andrew. Mr. Maimani's image could hardly be more different from the party's previous leader, Helen Ziller, who was white and significantly older at 64. But is this more than just a cosmetic change? Well, I've been talking to a lot of South African commentators, and I think the general consensus is that yes, it is, or certainly has the potential to be. The Democratic Alliance is the main opposition, but it's always struggled with the perception that it's a party representing white minority interests, and its core votes traditionally come from white voters and mixed race voters, and it's struggled to make serious inroads into black voters who account for the vast majority of the population. The question is now whether young articulate, smart leader who happens to be black, changing the, the, the face of the leadership, whether that will make a significant difference for the DA to be able to reach out to a broader black audience. Now, clearly, people believe that having a black leadership does make a difference, but one of the key issues going forward will be whether it actually changes the dynamic of the party as well and the message, the rhetoric of the party, so the party does successfully convince black voters that this is not just a cosmetic change But the party now does genuinely and is seriously interested in representing the interests of the majority of South Africans who are black. Why is it that some people refer to him as South Africa's Barack Obama? I just think it's quite a simple comparison, really. I mean, he's a young guy. He's smart. He's articulate. You know, he's credited for having very good oratory skills. He is the parliamentary leader, and so you know he's given some good speeches in Parliament where his public speaking skills have come to the fore. It's similar when when he's giving speeches on the hustings or rallies. So I think it's more of a style thing. You know, he's he's young, he's sharp, he's good looking, and uh, like I say, he's he's an articulate guy who's very good at um, giving public speeches. What will his priorities be, and will his policies differ in any way from his predecessor? Um, well, I spoke to him just before he was announced as the victor of the DA's leadership election, and it was interesting. He, you know, he said, "Look, one of the key things will be putting more emphasis on the party's economic policies and job creation." But he was also very clear that he will deal with what he called racial redress, which is essentially dealing with the inequalities that have been created in South African society after 100 years of colonisation and apartheid. It's one of the world's most unequal societies, and the African National Congress, the ruling party. Has been pursuing affirmative action policies like black economic empowerment in a bid to redress the gaping inequalities that exist between black South Africans and white South Africans, or the majority of black South Africans. The DA is historically being criticised for flip-flopping or being ambiguous on these kind of issues. And Mr. Maimani was very clear that you know we have to accept that apartheid existed; it created these inequalities, so we want to create a non-racial society. But we have to deal with racial redress, and we have to deal with it on a racial basis because of what apartheid created. So that kind of signals a shift. I mean, that that's a sign of him and the party looking to really sort of reach out to the black voter and to deal with the criticism that it hasn't really tackled the issue of the racial inequalities and imbalances that exist in the country. He's also been very outspoken on the issue of corruption, hasn't he? 
Yeah, he has. I mean, the DA as a whole has, and uh, Helen Ziller has been leading the DA in legal action uh, against Mr Zuma in relation to corruption charges which were dropped against him prior to him becoming the president in 2009. And Mr Maimani is pledged to continue that fight, and it's, you know, it kind of makes sense from the DA's perspective. I mean, you have a president who's been embroiled in scandals and corruption allegations, and as the leading opposition, they've used that and have continued to keep the allegations in, in the public sphere, and uh, you know, Mr Maimani is pledging to do so, saying, you know, Mr Zuma, we're coming after you, and it doesn't matter who you are, no one can stand above the law. So it makes political sense for the DA and Mr Maimani to you know, use these allegations to their political advantage if they can. How well has the party done in previous elections, and does it pose a real threat to the ANC, which has, after all, dominated politics since the first democratic election in 1994? The DA, I mean, it's grown steadily, particularly over the last sort of 10 or 15 years. It got about 16% of the vote in 2009 elections, and that grew to about 22% in last year's elections. And it claims to be you know, the, the one party that has consistently grown since the first democratic election in 1994. But there's always been this sort of question about whether it will reach a ceiling because of the perception among many black voters that it's been the party of white interest. And so it's relied on its core white vote. It's got strong support in the mixed-race community. And while it has made some inroads among black voters, they haven't been significant enough to sort of make it a game-changer. So this is kind of where it comes back to the idea that now the party has its first black leader. Will that help change perceptions? And will it help the party broaden its appeal to the black majority rather than a few black voters in in urban areas, etc., which it's done in the past? So to really sort of take it to the next level and, and prove that the party will not reach a ceiling and can pose a genuine challenge to the ANC. But it has to be said, the ANC, you know, since that first democratic election, has always commanded more than 60% of the vote. It still dominates the political landscape here. For many South Africans, there's still a huge emotional attachment for it being the party of Nelson Mandela, the, you know, the former liberation movement that led to struggle against apartheid. So we're not about to see any sort of collapse in the ANC vote. When will the success of the party's transformation next be tested at the polls? Well, next year. We've got local elections next year, and... Um, with the ANC's image increasingly tarnished by you know, questions about corruption and cronyism and patronage and President Zuma's leadership under the microscope and the economy doing poorly, uh, you know, the economy's really struggled for the last few years, you know, the ANC is expected to face a really tough test in some key urban centres, particularly Pretoria, the capital, uh, Johannesburg, the commercial centre, and Port Elizabeth in the Eastern Cape where the DA just held its leadership congress. So there's a real sense that um, the ANC could struggle to hold on to its majority in those three cities. Uh, with the DA already controlling Cape Town, there's always a scenario that you could have the country's main cities, if you like, or a number of the main cities, under control of opposition, or at least the ANC's majority taken below 50, or losing its majority. So you know, there's a lot of attention being paid to the local elections next year, and they could prove a real test for the ANC. And at the same time, it'll, it'll prove a real test for whether Mr Mamani can really take the DA to the next level. So all eyes will be on, the, on, the, on those local elections next year. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corian provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com.